Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story. Trump's, I would say, ambiguous rebuke of Kemp's reopening Georgia is reverberating around the country just as Trump is connecting with each and every governor to talk about their needs, desires, and demands in some cases for massive amounts of aid, like in the case of New York. I want to rant about that in a second, but don't you have some of that, Binkley, about some uh, the backlash about Georgia, about what Trump's been saying? Georgia's going to be the reason for the second wave from everything I'm reading. I think so too. And I I was listening to the BBC today and they highlighted, I mean, this is world news. They go to little podunk places in West Africa. They go everywhere. They went to a a restaurant in Atlanta, Miller's Union. Do you know Miller's Union? No. I don't know it either. Been there a long time. And the guy said, you know, us restaurant owners, we restaurant owners are alarmed by this. We're not ready. The guidelines just came down. We don't have time to prepare. We, for one, are not actually going to open because we think it's dangerous. So then at the end, the guy, and I'm thinking, really? That's crazy. He's like, how are we going to control customers being six feet away from each other? I'm like, well, just make sure the seats are six feet. I mean, if they're coming in at the same table, that's their business. But then at the end, he says, oh, and, uh, you know, but we have been feeding 400 healthcare workers every single day through the university healthcare system. And I'm thinking this guy, and he said, and we've been doing that since March 27th. So this guy, obviously he's not doing that free. He's got a contract and I'm sure doing 400 meals a day guaranteed day in and day out with no risk or liability is good for him. He doesn't want his competitors opening up all around him. He wants to keep that going. I mean, I'm just saying it seems like there could be some, uh, conflict of interest there to take that guy to be the voice of the, to the world of local business owners in Atlanta. I really think that I could probably find a hundred to one local business owners, restaurant owners who want the opportunity to control their own business. Yeah. And the opening itself is there's like 40, there's like a list of 40 requirements that you have to do in order to open back up. It's not he exactly. Was it was overwhelming. Dude, did you hear when um, Trump rebuked Kemp? Did you actually, I'm sure you heard the clip. I think it was Friday. You were telling me about it. Yeah. Where he said like spas, salons, tattoo parlors, barbershops, like that should not be in phase one. Yeah, yeah. But I was just hysterical laughing because (laughs) Trump was going, uh, he was saying, I love people who use beauty beauty parlors i love people who go to barber shops i love them they're the best people <laughs> isn't that everybody doesn't everybody go get their hair cut right. at some point and a beauty parlor yeah. a beauty parlor isn't that where you like get your hair set and then like that's go where back the best people month. go yeah <laughs> i love those people he says especially in georgia in georgia they're the very best people well he's covering all his so bases funny. now because everything he says he's accused of attacking that group so he's trying to prevent the Trump hates people who go to beauty par- parlor narrative from well, arising. He, and he also injected lots of ambiguity by saying Kemp has to do what he thinks is right. And for me, Kemp, like Kasim Reed before him, and basically everyone in Georgia and Atlanta, I mean, the c- 
corruption is crazy. And they continue to do these corruption investigations from the Kasim Reed era. Meanwhile, Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, was caught with their her and her team's hand in the cookie jar before she even took office. Remember that? When people on her campaign were getting multi-hundred thousand dollar a year jobs at the air To do nothing, yeah. To do stuff they had absolutely no connection with whatsoever. And and she she's totally unscathed, took office, so we'll worry about that when I'm finished here. And I feel like Kemp is the same way. He had all that malfeasance, the hacking, then the destroying of evidence when he was Secretary of State and uh, the the um, foiling the, what I think was an FBI investigation of the 2016 election. I mean, this guy is in bed with whoever is rolling out the really global agenda, which I think Atlanta is ground zero for. Georgia has a pretty solid history of corruption. Kasim Reed was voted or he won an award by an investigative group as the most corrupt politician in America. And he was the most UN connected. And people did not realize that he was bringing sustainable. I think they were the first city to do some of that ickly sustainable city stuff, which required committing in order to be chosen for that program. You had to commit taxpayers, taxpayer money to it. But I noticed that Shadow Governor Abrams was doing the rounds. And one of the things that she said, so for people who aren't from Atlanta, Stacey Abrams ran against Kemp and could have Kemp could have just crushed her with some of the stuff that you Binkley found. Not physically, he couldn't have crushed her. It's the other way around. There's absolutely no chance that anyone could crush her physically. But uh, so when you found that she had set back the cause of changing what really looked to me like a racist flag by 10 years, it was on its way out and her radical rioting or whatever, like her burning the flag on the steps of the Capitol stuff, put that back. Um, but you uncovered that and were not given credit for it. And uh, they didn't really capitalize that they could have found it themselves if they had really been digging. And likewise, she did not dig into his bad behavior in the voting. So there was all sorts, I think, of quid pro quo. It was just like out of a Black Mirror episode where they tell the person who's going to win or lose first what their role is, what the payoff will be. But she came in. So I call her the shadow governor of Somebody called someone else called her the imaginary governor of Georgia because she acts like she won, even though she lost by a lot. But she was saying that. And I I just hate the way she talks like it's so it's so um, pretentious. So she said it's wrong headed of him to do to reopen Georgia without more testing, which I don't even understand. Why is testing better? The tests are directly correlated, the positives are directly correlated with the number of tests. You actually aren't getting information. Tell me how many tests you're going to give, and I'll tell you how many positives you're going to get. I don't even know why they need to test people, because they're classifying people as having COVID without even testing them now. So why even test people? It's majority, from what I can tell, asymptomatic, which to me makes me wonder if there is any correlation between what they're testing for and the disease people are afraid of. I know they're saying... They're asymptomatic viral shedders, but I think that is an, uh, a small minority and not the, the big risk. I mean, the fact is this is being proven, seems like repeatedly, according to the data, as not being any worse than a regular flu. So I don't know what she's talking about, but I just really found her use of the word wrongheaded, wrongheaded. She uses a lot of weird words that I think she coins for herself. Very pretentious. She, first of all, excuse me if I don't trust a test 
that is being given out by people who are giving conflicting, confusing messages that come off as lies in the long run on a daily basis. So every, all of the credibility coming from everything we see on television from all of these officials, in my opinion, is gone, shot. I don't trust any of it. There was a great YouTube video by Dr. Dan Erickson and his partner out of Kern County, California. Many people sent it to me, has millions of views, where he just goes through. They have Urgent Care Clinic, privately owned Urgent Care, Urgent Care Clinic 7 in California, and he is giving us real data that he is getting, which Eventua One cautioned they did not want healthcare providers doing anything but reading from a script. And this guy is saying, hey, now that we have data, I don't know or care why they're doing this stuff, but what they're doing is not science-based we have the data and fyi not using your immune system is setting us up for a spike it is not flattening the curve we are all going to get super freaking sick when we go out there like newborn babes with all these piled up you know microbes that normally we just process through every day well, perhaps that is the intent for some of this. I don't know. Well, he was as beginning to flirt with that. I think later on today, like in this show episode, I want to talk a little bit about kind of like how I approach um, my own kind of health and medicine, just my own philosophy, because I've gotten some personal questions about it since we did a show on Friday with Greg Carwood of the Higher Side Chats, just questioning some of the COVID facts and some of the medical advice that or facts that we're told are true that we know are not true, for example. So let's just do that kind of at the end. Yeah. So Abrams, another thing about Abrams is she went on State of the Union. She has been making the rounds a lot. I mean, everywhere. She's been everywhere lately, pushing herself as the VP nomination to Joe Biden, wherever he might be. Joe Biden, who the only thing we hear about him now is that he has been accused of sexual harassment and nobody seems to care about that. But he also said he also suggested that Trump was going to push the election. back. I saw that. Yeah. And Abrams was there pushing herself and she was there pushing the idea that the response in Georgia to the coronavirus is opening back up, pushing the idea that it is racist because everything that she does is filtered through <laughs> a view that it is racist. Does not matter what it is, it's racist when and Stacey Abrams comes to it. Such an establishment creation, like absolutely. I, I mean, she is she was she is not a uh, an organic product of her cultural heritage. And she was pushing this uh, vote by mail thing that has started to emerge as a debate. I'm curious as to what is going to happen if she doesn't get picked for VP, because then she can turn herself into the victim again. Maybe she'll get picked. I would like for her to get picked because we know a lot about her. We have some subject matter expertise on her, so we can talk oh, about her a lot. It'll keep giving for four years because right. she'll be prepping for 2024, which was always her plan, the life plan that she made for herself in high school. Yeah. But no, Biden should pick Elizabeth Warren just to make people apoplectic about how stupidly like white on white, whatever, or middle age or old fashioned or whatever. Yeah, with this narrative about Biden's accuser, and the whole audio of her mom calling into Larry, the Larry King show like 10 years ago or something like that, or back when it happened, there was audio that was released that was allegedly, and that's what she says, that her mom called in and her mom was asking Larry King, what does somebody do who's a staffer for one of these powerful senators who has been in a situation like this? Do they go to the media? Where do they go to get their voice names. heard? So no. do we know, did you happen to notice if like it is definitely that chick's mom and that chick was definitely working for Biden at that time? That's the claim. 
That's what they're saying. That's what they're right. saying, yes. Right. Not a lot of people I, are saying it, but that's All right, because Pelo- uh, Pelosi endorsed Biden, and I think it was Hillary who said he should withdraw. Somebody said he should withdraw, really? and now I'm wondering if I, – I meant to follow up on that. I thought it was her. Uh, now I'm wondering if there would be a brokered convention. You know, I feel like there's going to be some drama. There's definitely going to be drama around this election from, like, how do we vote to will um, will the, the conventions – Go off as normal. I mean, th- I'm not going to let go of the stuff you found about the tripwire, about the elections, bringing in martial law and ha- creating a massive crisis that really alerted people to the fact that things are not okay. We need to make massive changes. I'm, I think this election, despite the fact that we're totally distracted by the COVID thing, might have some lasting impact. It's set up that way, just the circumstances. And it she's the one who's itself. being set up to do it. And I'm just curious how someone like Stacey Abrams, especially the position she's kind of been put in in, in the public eye, can talk so much about being VP to someone who has an accusation out there like that without ever being asked about it. It's just so, It just shows how terrible the media I'm is. I'm sick and tired of the credible accusation thing. This person should step down because they're credible. What? If you have a dick... There is a credible accusation that you tried to use it. I, mean, I agree with that. No, I mean, <laughs> I, we're not laughing. Like, I, I'm not even trying to make a joke. It's like it's always a credible accusation. Always. There's yeah. like, as my grandmother would say, you can't trust them till the last nail is in their coffin. So well, what I'm saying credible. is, I didn't say credible. I didn't, accusation, whatever. I'm just saying everybody else gets drilled about these accusations. This one actually has a phone call that was that was said. Right. Somebody made a statement about it. Then that was verified because somebody went back and found it. About her mom. I'll tell you. There's I more evidence been, of this one than anything else that I've oh, seen. I've been sleazed upon by politicians more than anything else. So I haven't had a lot of interaction with politicians. I've had sexual harassment at law firms and banks. and uh, But the very limited contact I've had with politicians, they both massively, inappropriately, grossly, like, groped me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just, they, they pick have those this people idea. probably so they can compromise them I, because they know I, they're going to get there. I just think that they're so used to uh, people dealing that way. Like, you want something from me, this is what I want from you. And I never wanted anything from anyone, so I went running and screaming, you know? Yeah. But they, I don't think they're used to that. I think they're used to everybody being on the make. And now with social media and communication can travel so quickly, all of that stuff is going to come out. And it's, it's going to eventually be normalized, I guess, or they'll just silence it altogether. But it shows the massive hypocrisy in the media that nobody cares about that. Stacey Abrams, who was at the front lines of the Women's March, nobody even asked her about this. It's just, if this were a Republican, that would be the only thing people are talking about. Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello. Or check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. 
there's I want to talk about the other thing I saw on the BBC, which you also have on the uh, Trump being misrepresented. But I wanted to just add about him talking about the Kemp stuff there. This is during the time when all the governors are going to be talking to Trump. They want stuff. I think it was Cuomo himself who said New York needs money from the feds. And that just infuriates me. It infuriates me. The 10th Amendment works both ways. Like the federal government should not be making laws that should be left in the realm of the state and the state should not be kind of uh, uh, upsourcing to the feds to get bailed out for numerous reasons. We don't need to verify the facts of New York. We don't need to validate their decision making. We can't affect their policy choices. We have nothing to do with them. They are totally autonomous. They can deal with this pandemic however they want. They All the bullshit I think that they're spewing, I it doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. People in my family are affected. I care for that reason. But as a personal taxpayer and a resident of a different state, I don't really care how they're handling it. I'll stay away from there for a while. The people who live there have control. They voted for this idiot blah, blah, blah. They're paying taxes to him. But so now I have no control over their policy. I have no way to validate their information. Yet they want this rich, rich, rich place who lives on top of each other because they want to be where the center of the money is. They want the feds to send them money. So that's either taking it from the taxpayers of other states who have no control over them, who most of them don't have as much money, And then or trying to get the Fed, the Federal Reserve to to monetize their debt, maybe or whatever, just basically counterfeit money for them. And the problem with that is it always takes it out of us. So the the biggest thing for me is when everybody it's completely illogical. It is the worst math you could ever do. No, I don't even think any countries do it where you don't pay taxes twice. So if Georgia charges charges you taxes, that tax money, you never got it. So you get 100 bucks, Georgia takes 10 bucks. The feds say, we you owe us 50%. We have a 50% tax rate. They don't take 50 on top of that and leave you 40. They take 50 of the 90. They take the 10 off of Georgia. Because you can imagine a scenario where both the state and the feds want to charge a 51% tax rate. So you would actually, by working, owe more than you could make. So usually there are agreements and overlapping tax jurisdictions who's going to get the taxes. So if you live in Ireland, you work in Ireland, but you're a citizen of the U.S., does the U.S. get your tax money? Probably not. So because you usually pay it where you make it. But then all of a sudden when Republicans were behind this idea that salt state and local taxes would not be deducted from the feds, I was like, that's crazy. Exactly what's going to happen is this. You let New York take their own taxes and have their own socialist policies. If you start not allowing them to deduct their taxes and double counting their taxes, they're going to reduce their taxes and they're going to make big demands of the federal government. They're going to bring their socialism. They have a lot of voting power and the less power the electoral college has the or the more centralized cities get so the population centers are there. They are going to upsource their socialism to the feds. And this was a Republican thing. And the voters would call me and tell me that I was wrong. And it's and it's basically us subsidizing New York and their taxes. No, that's not the way it works. They want socialism. They can have it. This is a problem. And, and it's a, just yet another blow uh, against our ability to have some autonomy on the state level. <laughs> and Georgia's not going to win. Tennessee is not going to win. It's going to be... 
Florida, uh, New York, and California that get the majority of the influence on a federal level. There was a headline in the Wall Street Journal today that said the era of big government is back. History shows that national shocks like depressions and world war and a financial crisis have a way of expanding the role of government in a lasting way. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Yes. And we were talking about that at least twice before the great book from one of my favorite people. He's always been number one on my list of people I wanted to interview. Number one, Bob Higgs. Bob Higgs. He retired. But if I could get him. Pete Canones can probably get us Bob Higgs. <laughs> but uh, he wrote Crisis and Leviathan. And the premise is Christ, Leviathan is big government. Crisis makes big government bigger and it never goes back. It's ever expanding. Crisis and Leviathan. And and you could argue that crises are created for the expansion of Leviathan. And I would argue that that's what's happening here. It appears to look that way. Everybody's been talking about I think we should address this. Absolutely. That Trump said to inject Lysol and Clorox and that all these companies had to make statements saying, don't do this, don't do that. And every media outlet had to talk about how you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that. Well, he never said that. That's not what he said. There was a doctor that came up and talked about some of the sunlight-like therapies that are being explored. Trump got up there and repeated Almost exactly what the doctor before him had said, except he said it in a way where he was, let me, let me get this straight. You're saying this, and he's looking over to the doctor, and, and he's, he's having a dialogue with the doctor about what the doctor had just said. And then the media takes it, and they don't show what the doctor said. They only show what Trump said. They don't even show what he said. They play what he said. So you don't see him looking over to the doctor. A tight clip. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then before they play it, they say, Trump said to inject Lysol. Then they play a clip of Trump not saying to inject <laughs> Lysol. And then they come back and go, there you hear it right with your own ears. He said to inject Lysol. It wasn't out of con. No, he didn't say that. They just fabricated something and then said that he said it, played something that didn't validate what they just said and then came back and said that it did. It's just mind-boggling. And what's really bothersome about this is they we're doing something similar with chloroquine. Now, I don't know how helpful or non-helpful it is. I know that there's been studies where it has helped people and who've had certain types of flus or allegedly had the coronavirus or whatever. They went out and did a study to try and debunk chloroquine. And the study was completely, it was not a good comparison to the way it actually works. It was like people already ventilated who were about to die that they tested instead of people who were just getting sick is which is what the research was showing, that it helps people who were just getting sick. So they did an entire study on people who were already about to die so that they could they debunk chloroquine, so that <laughs> right. they could run all these headlines saying, Trump pushed this, this chloroquine, it's killing people now. And now they're doing the same thing with this, uh, quote, inject with Lysol. And the companies came out and made statements saying, don't do this. It's the companies that did that on their own volition because they're in unison with the media. The media and all these other people are the ones who are putting this in people's minds. 
if you just left yes, that yes, as it is, right, it wouldn't be put, it right. wouldn't be talked about. Yes. And, and that is going to yeah. lead people to maybe consider doing it. They are manifesting a reality here that is dangerous, and they're trying to say that other people are doing it. It's, it's outrageous that they do it. They do that with mass shootings, too. Yeah. They put it in people's minds. Well, the BBC, I was listening to that this morning, the BBC was reporting that the U.S. is losing credibility in Africa because of that statement that Trump said about ingesting disinfectants. I didn't even know exactly what the quote was from him. They didn't play it. They didn't talk about it, but they said it's driving Africa to look to China for help. Now, China has been, I actually have a tab in my newsfeed that where I put articles called China in Africa. Like China is in Africa. It's a very, they're really building relationships there. That is where I would expect Africa to look, but they're blaming it on Trump. But I also think there's like some, another thing that was caught up in all that Trump controversy was about how uh, that UV is, that he was saying you can't get UV on the inside to kill this thing. And that's just a hokum, whatever. Don't listen to him. And it's what it is suppressing, though, is the importance, I think, of getting some sun to get at least getting vitamin D for your immune system, that this stuff has been proven to that vitamin D. This is one thing that I know. Vitamin D deficiency makes cows, young cows, more susceptible to coronavirus. So they're starting to do studies on if vitamin D can help human beings become more resistant to coronavirus, and it is tightly tied to immune health. Now, I'm dark, so I need to go out in the sun a lot, and I don't get sunburns, but pale people who are at risk of skin cancer have to make their own decisions on how they get vitamin D, how they use that. We did an interview with Greg Carlwood on Friday of higher side chats and talking about our questioning of coronavirus stuff. And I think people are trying to put words in my mouth. I think you should absolutely work with your doctor, but you should do your own research to verify if somebody wants to give you a drug and also pay very serious attention to how doctors can really help with hypertension, stroke, heart attack, diabetes, all this stuff, of course, of course, of course. But if you could prevent those things and you can, then you won't be in a position where if there is a lockdown, if there is, if the grid goes down, I've always said be independently healthy. You do not want to have to take a pill or an injection every single day to stay alive because then what, what you're very vulnerable to this. I'm vulnerable to the supermarket, but I'm not vulnerable to insulin shots right now. And I'd really like to do whatever I can to avoid that. But I just want to say there are three things that I absolutely do before heading down a medical treatment. One is I look at the studies that make it uh, indicated for me. The abstract usually tells you a lot about it. If it's peer reviewed, you can read the questions the doctors have at the bottom, which is very, very telling. Like when I was investigating Gardasil, the doctors were saying the safety tests were not done in a controlled manner, that the control vaccine had the adjuvants in it had aluminum in it. So you really could, you know, they have to wait for more tests. I found that very helpful. And, uh, and lawsuits, if there are lawsuits that tells you what is uh, that vets the possible issues of these things, maybe they go overboard, but a lot of vaccines, for example, are immune to lawsuits. They're inoculated against it. They're, um, protected from it. So for me, I'm skeptical about viruses. I'm skeptical about vaccines. I would really do my homework on that stuff, but, 
uh, just as far as treatment go, do your research, work with your doctor. There's uh, quite a few books that I've come across. I'm going to maybe make a short list and tell people like books that they should maybe consider reading to get a little more educated all from like totally acceptable, you know, credentials and stuff like that. But, uh, I feel like, uh, you should take the health decision seriously. If you really cannot understand what people are saying, it's like foreign policy. Is this really so complicated that you can't understand it and that you have to give up your right to control your own government and trust them? If that's true about your health care also, first of all, you have a right to not trust them, you know, but it might hurt you. Like my, my father did trust his doctor and it hurt him, but my mother doesn't trust her doctor and maybe, or she does trust her doctor, but she doesn't trust doctors in general. Maybe that hurts her, but you have to decide on, uh, who you trust and why, if it's coming down strictly to a matter of trust, if you really cannot come up with the research yourself, then, then maybe you do have to think of it as a matter of trust. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't found know what, that what your position is. My position is this, whenever you're told that there's some sort of limitation on the amount of recovery that you can have, or there's some sort of limitation about what you will be able to do, or the only way that you will be able to recover, that's bullshit. <laughs> there's always almost always alternative ways of doing it that doesn't mean you throw everything out the window that your doctor said that doesn't mean you ignore their expert advice well, that's but it what does a mean opinion is for well, too it also means you ask questions and you go go to google scholar and whatever the symptoms are whatever the treatments are look them up and look for latest developments in blank therapy in blank treatment and there's always studies being done on most diseases and even the rare ones but the rare ones don't get as much attention so it is sometimes harder to find stuff but there is studies being done to improve the way that things are treated and to improve the outcomes look for those and bring those to your doctor and say look this is going on right now are there clinical trials are there other things that you're aware of where this is helping people any limitation that you are told about is often a limitation that is told because the doctor is either they're in a hurry, they don't have enough time to do. It's very difficult to be a researcher and to see patients all the time. So be the researcher for your doctor. And if they're not okay with trying something, maybe they can point you towards somebody who is. But you can ask the right questions and you can do research yourself if you are in a situation where you feel like your options are being limited. And I have found that that almost always opens up the door to other possibilities that you can often even get the doctors to support you or point you in the right direction of. Here's something that's important to know, that if you ask the doctor a question, that changes what he's responsible for. He's responsible for addressing your question. He has to answer it. He has to think about it. He has to put that in his notes. So if you have a question, I'm concerned about this side effect, he would not normally have to discuss that with you. But once you ask the question, he has to discuss it with you. That's my understanding. So if you come a little bit educated, like uh, the other day, my son, the other day, a couple of months ago, he was diagnosed with the flu, got a like swab and it came back the flu. So they gave him Tamiflu. I was like, you can't treat the flu. Like, I mean, I'd heard of it, but I was like, you can't really, there aren't really too much you can do. So I decided to read the little piece of paper that came with it and also read online at the thing. And it said, it's only effective. There are some side effects that are not good. And it's only been found to be effective in 
people within 48 hours of developing symptoms. And it had been three or four days. So I was like, I'm not giving this. I don't even know if it's bad to give it to him at three or four days. So I didn't give it to him. That is similar to what people were saying or what the studies were saying about chloroquine is similar to Tamiflu in the treatment for it to be effective. Yet the study they were doing was on people who were well beyond that point just so they could get a study in saying that it's debunked and it's deadly. Which they probably knew was how it was going to come out. I'm sure they did, yeah. It's like, let's try it on this dead guy, then we'll just say that it killed him. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, So I want to talk about Fauci's SNL moment, which he's been dreaming of in the 15. And, uh, oh shoot, can't read my own handwriting here. (laughs) Don't worry, let's talk about the NFL draft. Oh yeah, and we can talk about the NFL <laughs> <And> draft. <laughs> I've got a couple of things I uh little speculation stuff I'm worried about. I'll tell you about those too in the Patron 15. All right, and I will also tell you what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of the other names used to go by. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to get access to the extra 15 minutes of content that we post every day that we post a DMB, you can go to patreon.com slash the propaganda report. And for five bucks a month, less than 15 cents a day, you can get access to that extra content and other perks. We also accept more donations as well to help keep the show going. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.